Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. A personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, Greening Law fights that legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 353, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, we'll dazzle and entertain you today. We've got a lot going on. We're going to talk with Clarence Hill Jr., of course, who covers the Cowboys for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. He was in Indianapolis up at the Combine. He was a part of that little gaggle of reporters that spoke with Stephen Jones. He spoke with Mike McCarthy. So we'll get his thoughts on what he learned coming out of the Combine, at least in from talking to the coaches and whatnot and, and to management. So we have that for you. I've got some audio from Mike McCarthy that we'll throw out here as he spoke for about, what was it, 18, 20 minutes, whatever it was, at the podium the other day there in Indianapolis, kind of revealing his thoughts on why he decided to take over play calling, his thoughts on Dak, and just a couple of other things as well. But before we dive into anything, let's tell you, of course, about our friends, Robert Greening, the Green Team at Greening Law. I am telling you, I will continue to tell you, If you were hurt in a car accident, if you're injured on the premises of a business, if you are involved in some sort of an accident that was not your fault and you've got to get insurance companies involved, you need to pick up the phone, call Greening Law and see if you've got a case. The the call is free. The consultation and they go through it's it's maybe a five to seven minute process. They ask you a few questions and they decide whether or not you have a case that they can represent you. And if you do, I'm telling you, man, once they bring you on board, what they can do for you behind the scenes, stuff you don't even know that you, nobody would know what to do or how to navigate this unless you have the expertise of Robert Greening. No, and that's why we tell y'all, I mean, that if you're involved in something and it doesn't matter whether it's at an apartment complex or business, somewhere that's not your house, that's why we tell you, hey, don't try to figure this thing out for yourself. The first thing you need to do is pick up the phone and call the green team. Because once you tell them your situation, yo, here's what happened to me, what do you think? If they bring you on as a client, I mean, it's your lucky day. Uh, that number, 972-934-8900, 972-934-8900. Call them if you've got any questions about a situation. Because if they take you on as a client, it's a great day because they walk you through this process that Matt's told you. Long, tedious, complicated, intimidating. And they're really good at it. So give them a call, 972-934-8900. 
Consultations free. They don't get paid unless you get paid. It's a win-win for you. It is 972-934-8900. It's Robert Green. Give him a call. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So the Cowboys, we went through a lot of stuff that Stephen Jones had to say on the last episode of the podcast and, and offered our thoughts. Well, Mike McCarthy is the latest from the Cowboys brass in Indianapolis. Of course, everybody's there. I mean, they're all up there. They, they like to evaluate the town and, and see how these guys look and all that type of thing. But Mike McCarthy apparently told reporters that he, he came straight for the airport, went straight to the podium to, to have his media availability. And he had a couple of things that he threw out that I decided to pull and thought I would throw out and see what we have to say about this. Wanted to make sure you guys had an opportunity to hear it as well. But he was point blank asked, essentially, why now? Why now take over the play calling? What prompted that? And here is what Mike McCarthy had to say on him taking over the play calling at this point. I think Kellen did an excellent job. If you look at the the way we played over the, the course of the last three years, um, you know, as a head coach, every head coach has a vision of how you want the football team to play, what they look like. Um, you know, our complimentary formula, complimentary football formula, I felt was the best this year, the three years. Uh, so um, I, I think every three, four, five years into your offense, you need to make, you know, pretty good, not significant, but changes and adjustments, tendencies and things like that. So um, I, I just I just felt this was a, a good time to make that change. So he talks about that. And he talked about that in a couple of different ways. It, it basically, he would, he, and you'll probably hear him say this again, but he talks about, well, you know what? Let me play this other clip for you. And, and this kind of, I think, paints the picture of what we're going to get into a little bit of McCarthy talking about the differences. And you'll hear him mention the run quite a bit. And, and I mean, there was three or four clips where he continually went back to the run. And you'll hear that in this clip here on the differences and what you might notice in the play calling. Really, our, our approach so far is really going back to like day, day one if we all just arrived there. Obviously, you know, we got a number of new coaches uh, on the offense. So, um, yeah, we're, you know, we played really good offense the last three years. Um, like I said, I, you know, you look at our numbers just, just in the run game from year one, year two to year three. This is, you know, I feel like we're in the, in the, in the arena of how we want to play. Um, so it, it'll be really just building off of that. You know, it's, you know, we're not looking to have more. Then probably 30, 35 percent is, is kind of the number we've been hovering at is how much change uh, we want um, for the current players. So yeah, we're not looking to have wholesale changes. No, no, we're, yeah, it's we're gonna we're gonna save the language. Yeah, at the end of the day, the, the offensive system, the outlook is clearly on making the quarterback successful. You know, starting point of that is always the run game and in the protections. And, and frankly, um, we we've have spent the majority of our time uh, on protection and pass game right now. So. So you hear him talk about that again, that the run pass balance, run, run, run. And he mentioned that more so now that 30 to 35% was kind of like the differences in how the offense would change. He does mention the language will stay the same, which was interesting, but he really seemed to point out to me that there is a desire from him that they want to run the ball even more so than what we have seen. And they want to be more of a controlling type of offense. Yeah, that's that's interesting because that's not really how you play the game in today's NFL. Um, and what it does, and so it's, it's interesting. It's not good or bad. It's just interesting because, and you saw it last year, man, they set up these scenarios where the way that they play leads to third and three, third and four, third and two, which is what? Great when you convert that. But 
when you don't convert it, it's like, oh, we just ran the ball on first and second down, and now we're punting. Um, and, you know, the other thing about that is where do big plays come from, Matt? The passing game. Mm-hmm. Where do points come from? Big plays. And so I get it. I understand it. And, uh, you know, the thing that he also said in there is he's trying to protect his defense because it's pretty good. Um, there's nothing wrong with that philosophy. It just, to me, depending on what, how it really plays out, and we won't know till we see it, um, the object is to score points, man, uh, especially in today's NFL. And you got to be careful when you run the ball that you're scoring points because you can run it a lot, have a lot of effectiveness, and not score no points because you ain't got no big plays coming out of it. Yeah, and that's one of the things. I mean, you look at the offense and, and how they did score a lot of points with Kellen Moore as the play caller. So it is kind of interesting to think that something needs to be tweaked. Maybe, you know, I almost wonder if he thought that they just put too much on Dak last year. Maybe he, he looks at it and they don't, he doesn't think that they have, you know, he'll never say this publicly, but we all watch the games. Maybe he's sitting there going, look, my quarterback isn't this type of quarterback and my wide receivers well. that I have aren't those types of wide receivers. Check this out. I mean, that would be a fair assessment because and that's a really good point, bro, because any coach will tell you, any good coach will tell you, it ain't really about your, your wonderful, beautiful scheme. It's really about the personnel that you got. Mm. And if you don't have the personnel that allows your scheme to thrive and really do what it's supposed to do, then this might be a year where you got to or you got to scale it back and run this type of offense through your scheme. And so maybe that's what McCarthy was like. We're still throwing the ball like we got Amari Cooper out here and Michael Gallup healthy, and we really don't. And so let's adjust and adapt and improvise. And I keep telling – I'm just saying, and this is him saying, I keep telling Kellen this, and he keeps going, okay, I got you, boss, and we finna do what we do. And so that that could have been a philosophical difference because what have we always said about um, Dak Prescott, bro? Like, his magic number is like 32 attempts. Yeah. Fewer than 32, you know, they win at an 80% clip. More than 32 is more like a 50, a 500 clip. So, we speaking of Dak Prescott, his thoughts on Dak Prescott, and again, he, what do you expect him to say? But, but he was asked if... Does Dak Prescott need a new voice in his ear? Essentially, as a new play caller, a new voice, a new thought process. Here is Mike McCarthy responding to that question. Well, I don't see Dak talking to himself in the quarterback room. That's what you're saying. I, I think, number one, it, we all can use a new voice. You know, we all can use a, a sense of motivation and challenge and so forth. Uh, this is a new challenge for him. Uh, these are his, his words. He's very excited about it. Um, and, you know, I, I just think like anything, he's he's had a chance uh, to, to go from the different variations of the offense that was in place. He's getting ready to take another, you know, turn as far as the variation of, of, of what we're getting ready to do. Uh, we're going to build it off of what, you know, he has established. You know, I, I, you know it, my decision to stay with with his concepts and so forth is still intact because I wouldn't have did what I did in 2020 if I still didn't believe in him. And we obviously as an organization, myself included, uh, feel very strongly about him as our future. And uh, we will definitely build this thing around him. So they're definitely going to build this thing around him. Of course. Yes, obviously. But it, it kind of, um, again, he paints the picture and, and it's, he's never going to throw Dak under the bus and he's never going to say anything publicly. But I think we're all aware of the situation, and, and most of all, a, a guy like Mike McCarthy. I think what he's saying is sometimes you get so comfortable, you just need a change 
to shake it up and help you reach a new level. Um, you know, me and Matt work out a lot. Sometimes your workout is fine, but to take your body to another level, you got to change your workouts. If you've been doing, you know, low reps and, and heavy weight, then let's go do, you know, low weight and a bunch of reps just to switch it up and change it up and shock your body. And so I think what he's saying is Dak is so comfortable with Kelly. Ah, I don't know, bro. I don't want to do that. Let's uh, let's do this. OK, dog. Yeah, let's let's do that. Well, you got a new voice. Hey, no, let's try this. Nah, bro, we're going to try this and see how it work out. And then if it don't work out, we'll, we'll make adjustments. And it's not, it's not a contentious thing. It's just a difference in attitude and a difference in approach because one guy is new and one guy you're comfortable with. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting because, again, like when the language doesn't change and we've talked about that, and I think it was Chill actually that, that straight up asked him, the question about the changes in the offense and McCarthy kind of joked that is like, well, I'm certainly not going to tell you, you'll tell everybody, but you know, it's one of so those things. They uh, got 12 years of tape on McCarthy. Uh, he, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, how much different is the offense going to look? That's what everybody wants to know. And, and as he said, 30 to 35%, what does that mean? I don't know. That's that's why they're going to play the games in the fall. And, and maybe we will see something different. It, um, old friend, David Hellman had an interesting point. He said the Cowboys were, because we're talking about the running game and implementing more, but he's like the Cowboys were six in the NFL in rushing attempts last year without really using Dak as a runner, and, but they were only 18th in, in yards per attempt. So six in the league in rushing means you ran it quite a bit. Uh, you just didn't have a lot of success at, at, toward the end of the year running it, in part because you had problems with the offensive line. And so that's kind of what I'm getting at when I talk about you can, you can say you want to run it more, but – What's really the goal? <laughs> the goal is to score points, which is what you did last year. So it's uh, it's very interesting, man. It's very interesting. It is very interesting. So all in all, the, the combine is such an interesting week because everybody goes up there. You know, McCarthy was asked, like, what are you guys looking for? And it becomes one of those things where it, it's almost like, what are you looking for? Almost like you want to see with your own eyes these guys do things that you've already seen I mean, it's it's March. The draft's in, what, seven weeks? They've already gone through copious amounts of tape on a lot of these guys, and they're very well aware of it. It's almost like they just want to see with their own eyes, do they fit what they have seen on tape from a physical standpoint? And then, I mean, some teams, and, and we've talked about this before, you know, like especially like a Dan Quinn. Does he prefer that longer, taller cornerback for whatever reason? And you want to verify that certain guys – have arms of a certain length if you're an offensive lineman whatever the case may be but it is interesting that the combine despite the fact that it feels more and more like some of the things they do tend to be more irrelevant as as time goes by the combine well, is, is more and more popular than it has ever been well i was gonna say it is but it's not i just read something um somewhere like within the last week that uh the nflpa is like let's do away with the combine uh, because players are like, we got pro days. You come see us and all these scouting things. The benefit to the combine is for you, the teams. It's not for us, the players. Um, so why don't you all just come to our pro days and, you know, we'll kick it there. Um, so do you see a time where there's not going to be a combine? No, not right now, because it's so it, part of the reason why I say that is because from a well, they, the they standpoint, of, right, correct. The revenue, 
And I didn't I think mean, about that. Let's also keep in mind, they're about to move it out of Indianapolis and it's going to be like the draft oh. where they're going to move it around and it becomes a destination type thing. So when that happens, I, I, they're never getting rid of it. No, you know what? You're right, man. Whenever I was talking about that, I had forgotten that it, everything's a revenue builder and not to get it on TV and all this other stuff. It's it's a revenue builder. So, yeah, they'll. Now, what happens is the, the players with the most juice might just stop showing up. It's like playing in bowl games. You know, at first it was, you know, absurd that a guy wouldn't play in a bowl game. Then it became, well, just one or two guys don't play in bowl games. Now it's anybody who's got an NFL future. If we're not in the playoff, then we're not playing in the bowl game, which I don't have a problem with. So I can see where it goes. Hey, if I'm a top, if I'm a guaranteed first round pick, I'm not, and that's probably what, bro, 10 guys? Yeah. Then I'm not going to the combine. Y'all can come see me when you see me. And everybody else be like, good, that's 10 more slots for us. Yeah, and, and, and you hear, like Bryce Young, for example, isn't going to do anything basically other than just go for the interviews. And that, that makes sense to me that, okay, you've got access to all of the 32 NFL, generally all the owners are there, the front offices are there, the GMs are there, the people that make these decisions are all there in one place. Just kind of makes it easier for everybody. But I know that they contracted Indianapolis for 2024, but after that, they who knows where they may take it. And I just have a hard time. One of the things that has made the NFL so unbelievably popular and dominating everything is their ability to keep it at the forefront of people's minds right now. I mean, right now they've got the scouting combine, and then coming up in a week or so is going to be free agency, and then that leads us after free agency for a couple of weeks, leads us into all of a sudden you're into the NFL draft, and they've done such a good job of keeping our interest, sometimes for silly reasons, whatever the case may be, but the NFL dominates the headlines year-round, basically. The only time that they don't dominate the headlines is between the middle of June and the middle of July. Yeah. That's the only time. Because, you know, as you just said, you just laid it out, because after the draft, what happens? Now it's time for mini camps for six or seven weeks. Every two weeks, hey, let's show up and everybody sees their team and everybody talks about, hey, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? And that's the way it is, bro. But the scouting combine, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say that I don't see it because I obviously work at a sports radio station and it will be on in the TVs while I'm at the station. I do not actively seek out and watch the scouting combine. Nah, I... Uh... I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out how do I take it. I don't really. I had it. If I had a combine on, I have it on as background noise while I'm doing something else. But no, I'm not interested in watching a bunch of 40s and watching a bunch of drills. Uh, if there's something, because hey, in the world we live in, if there's something notable that happens, it'll be all over Twitter or Instagram within, you know, five or ten minutes, and and uh, it'll be trending, and you'll be like, oh, what happened? Let me go check it out, and and you can get caught up like that. Yeah, you can. It, it is kind of like that. I think everybody's very curious. There's always something that drives a narrative. And I think this year with Bryce Young, it's how tall is he going to be? What's his size going to be? And we kind of mentioned that the other day, much like yeah. Kyler Murray, where everybody is like, okay, what's it going to be? I don't need to watch the guy get measured. You know, I'll see a tweet about it. And actually, I'll see, I follow enough NFL people, I'll probably see 25 tweets about it. But I just think it's, uh, I, still have, I still have a hard time coming to grips with it. Like, you know, again, because it's just funny to me because I heard it yesterday for sure. Mel Kuyper, if he's between 195 and 205, it's great. So if he's 194, you're out. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense to me. If he's 193, you're out. 
Nah, I don't really think so, bro. It's just you either like him as a quarterback or you don't because we know daggone well he's not going to weigh whatever he weighs at the start of uh, offseason mini camps, what he weighs at the combine. So why are we even lying, fooling, playing this silly game? That's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, everything that I saw from him, having watched him for a bit, it looked really damn good to me. Okay, let me ask you this because, you, I mean, you're right there in Alabama with him. What do you realistically think? Uh, no, that's a bad question. You know, what kind of NFL quarterback do you, go, you think he's going to be? I expect, and again, I expect he has the, the tools and the mentality to be an elite-level NFL quarterback. He's extraordinarily poised. I mean, the guy, again, keep in mind, because everybody will talk about, oh, well, he had all these weapons and was throwing to wide-open wide receivers all the time. Not necessarily the case last year. Two years ago, I'll give you that. Last year, their guys weren't getting a lot of separation, which is part of the problem with their explosiveness and their passing game. We talk about that all the time. But, man, this is a guy who stays poised in the pocket. He reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson. Like, watching okay. him, when, when he first started playing at Alabama a couple years ago, the way that he navigates the pocket, he uses his feet the way that Russell Wilson, like, I've never seen anybody laterally move along the line of scrimmage like like Russ does, where, okay, I'm under pressure, I'm going to escape the pressure, but I don't need to take off because I still got like seven yards of space I can work with to see if I can, if I can create another split second of opportunity for a receiver to get open. And Bryce Young was so damn good at doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the, as we've discussed, there's no guarantees of quarterbacks. So, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it matters, like, where he goes. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that matters damn near more than anything else. Like, you know, if you go to uh, – who do we expect to move up and take him? Houston? It's either going to – I think it'll be Houston or Indianapolis. Well, if Houston takes him – that would scare me because throughout their several regimes, they ain't shown no history of being able to develop a young quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so it would just – it would scare me in terms of they have no history of doing it. Uh, if the Colts did it, at least the Colts uh, have kind of a – even though their, their owner is, is a, f- a funny guy, they have some stability within their organization. You saw what they did with Andrew Luck. You've seen, you know, some, some other things. Where they, they, you feel like if he's a good player – he could go to the Colts and have some success because their organization is set up for him to kind of have success. Um, you know, to me, the Texans are a poop show, man. Three coaches, three years. Uh, they got some weird stuff going on in the front office with their GM. Yeah. It's like I wouldn't want to play for Houston as a quarterback because I don't trust their, I don't trust their organization. Yeah, and, and, um, and, you know, you look at it, obviously, David Carr, their original draft pick, whatever that was, 20 years ago, who was yeah, the number one overall pick. You know, Deshaun Watson was a first-round guy, pick number 12 six years ago, whenever that was, and he was successful, but at the same time, it never felt like they did what they needed to do to take advantage of a guy like Deshaun Watson before all the -the off-the-field trouble came into play. I mean, I I say that, and we're still talking about a guy who went 11-5 and and 10-5 and in two of his seasons in Houston and made the playoffs a couple of times. I think they won, made the playoffs maybe three times, no, twice when he was a quarterback there. And he did win a playoff game. You know, and then the, the newest quarterback they drafted was a third-round guy in Davis Mills, who they obviously have decided isn't the answer. So, yeah, I kind of wonder that when you look at how bad Houston is, can you afford a guy like a Bryce Young 
when you don't have enough around him, how long will it take you to put pieces in place to where you could help Bryce Young become perhaps what he could be? Because I agree with you. If Indianapolis gets him, I actually think he'll end up having a solid career. Yeah, bro. It's, uh, you know, to me, and this is just me, organizations make quarterbacks because it doesn't matter how much talent you have. If they're not going to put the right people around you, if they can't hire the right coach, I mean, it just it's so hard to thrive because you need all of that. And, you know, if you if you think, nah, you know, Taylor's full of it. No, nah, go, go look at what happened in Jacksonville. Look how that thing changed for Trevor Lawrence that quickly. He had an idiot as a coach. He looked like a, a bad quarterback. Yeah. He got a good coach. And he's like, oh, okay, that's a Trevor Lawrence beside Clemson. And so, you know, he could he should develop into one of the best young quarterbacks over the next couple of years. Uh, it matters the organization, man. You know, I don't know if Zach Wilson can play or not. It looks like he can't. But I knew he was doomed when he went to the Jets because the Jets are a doomed organization. They, don't, they can't do anything right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it matters where you go, bro. It does, and, and, and that's where it, it's going to hey, be Doc, interesting. It, it very much you, is. Why do you think Eli said I ain't going to the Chargers but way back then? Yeah, you know. No, for real. Like, nah, man, y'all, y'all are a messed up organization. I'm not fooling with that. Y'all not going to wreck my career. If I'm not good enough, then I'm just not going to be good enough. It ain't going to be because y'all wrecked it. Yeah, you're exactly right. So we'll see. I think it's fascinating because we have not seen the top two picks when they go quarterback, quarterback in the NFL draft. It's very rare that both of them turn out. And we went through that the other day. I named those the last five players that have been drafted number two overall that, I mean, for the most part, are, are either busts or average at best. And then you look at some of the guys that have been drafted number one overall. Can, because there's no reason to think that it couldn't be. And that's where I wonder if Indianapolis just goes balls out, takes Bryce Young number one overall, and then Houston gets C.J. Stroud, and C.J. Stroud becomes the latest number two casualty not because he's not any good or couldn't have been good somewhere else, but because he went to Houston. <laughs> bro, it's a strong possibility, bro. Because, man, strong I mean, possibility. I know you watched a lot of Ohio State. I watched a lot of Ohio State. I look at Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I'm like, I don't know how either one of these guys doesn't turn into a good NFL quarterback. But I don't know where they're going, and I don't know what franchise is, is going to develop them. Because C.J. Stroud, right. man, watching that dude play, I mean, he is the prototypical size. He's got every, he's got everything you would want in an NFL quarterback. The only thing Bryce Young doesn't have that is height. Because, you know, Todd McShay came out the other day and said he's got a buddy who scouted him and said that he measured at 5'10 and a half. <laughs> we, shall short, yeah, we shall see. We shall see because I don't... I don't know how in the world, like you talked about this. I mean, he, he could pudge up for the combine to put on some weight. I don't know how you're, you're lengthening your height. I don't know how that's working to where anything no, can be done. I mean, you're no, standing you're there not. in your skivvies. You're not, you can't put on lifts. I don't know what they're doing to make him. Your, your height is your height, man. No, that's, I mean, that's just what it is, bro. <laughs> now, you can thrive despite that. Um, and that's what uh, apparently, uh, you know, people are, ex are, are seeing if he can do. But, uh, you know, bro, I mean, there have been short quarterbacks who have succeeded, obviously. Uh, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson. I'm real tough. So, you know, it happens. It's just harder. Um, and, you know, and the other thing is he's not a thick guy. Kyler Murray's not tall, but Kyler Murray's still a thicker guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so I think that's the concern. But, you know, man, if you're injury prone, then you're injury prone and it's nothing 
you know, it's just it's just what happens to you. It's not it's not anybody's fault, whether it's Sean Lee or whether it's Tua. If if injuries find you, then injuries find you. Yeah, because Kyler Murray's measured in at the combine. He was five ten and one eighth of an inch, but he he weighed two hundred and seven pounds. So that's going to be the thing I think. And and we may know. I I haven't seen any video of Bryce Young at the combine to to see if he looks thicker just walking around. But I you know one ninety five. Even if if they can, because you can do this. this Alabama season ended almost a little over two months ago it is very easy to put on 10 pounds in two months now muscle a little bit different but if they wanted to do half and half they they could probably get that dude up to about 205 oh no bro you could do that man protein shakes lifting no you can you can get up there and you can look good yeah and then you know as soon as you leave get out of it but we'll see we'll see what it ends up being but i i believe in both those guys and that's what's so wild is that the chances are four of these quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10. And as we have known, there is not a draft ever in the history of the NFL. Everybody will go to the 1983 draft. Not, that wasn't all top 10 guys. I mean, some of those dudes that had success were drafted later on in the first round. There is not an, a draft ever in which four guys went this high and they all turned out. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen here either. And, it, you know, you look around. We kind of talked about this the other day. I don't know that I trust Carolina to draft and develop a quarterback. No, 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 no. They, they, they're another dysfunctional franchise. And I call them dysfunctional because they don't have any stability. And they, when I say they don't have any stability, when you're changing coaches every two years, you just, I mean, it's a poop show, man, because your general manager, your owner, your coach, they all got to be aligned. And when they're not, and you're changing all the time. It just ain't no good for your organization. It is not, not at all. But what is good for you and probably for your organization is, is taking your vehicles over to JR. And letting him get on, up underneath the hood with his his crew and work on that, we we all need a mechanic. It's one of those things I've talked about this before. You really never understand your need for a mechanic until your brakes start squeaking, or <laughs> you realize, man, we need new tires, and then you start looking for you like, where am I supposed to go? Literally, like I've asked my friends in, in the Birmingham area. I was like, where do I? Where do you take your car? And we do that because we want somebody that can vouch for someone in that service. Because we want someone we can trust. Because we don't want to get ripped off. We don't want to have to go back a couple of weeks later. We want somebody who stands behind their work. And we are telling you that we have that for you in the DFW area. It's JR and it's Freeway Tire Shop. Yeah, bro. Uh, I rock with JR, man, because I trust him. It's really that simple. I trust him to diagnose what's wrong with my car, and then I trust him to use quality parts to fix it. I trust him to give me a price, a fair price, and then I trust him to stand behind his work. And so really what I'm telling you is if your mechanic ain't doing those four things, not three out of the four, not two out of four, if your mechanic's not doing all four of those things, then do like Trey. We call him Philadelphia Trey. He's a listener. Take your butt up 35, get off at Commonwealth. It's like five minutes from downtown. Go through the light. He's right there on the right. And you can thank us later because Jr. will do the daggone thing for you. Have your car up and running, and you'll feel good about going there feel good about paying the man, and you'll feel good about leaving. It's Freeway Tire Shop. It's the place to go. Your questions have been answered. The mechanic you can trust, so check them out online at freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, uh, Aaron and his crew is over there at HFX Foundation Solutions. He's been with us a long time, man. Continues to help make the podcast possible, and we're happy to have him. 
And you guys will be happy to have them on your property if you feel like you've got a foundation issue. Or we all know in the spring, if it's going to rain, it's, it's happening. This is the time of year where you get that. They handle drainage and gutter installations as well. So they can come out and take a look and go, okay, well, this is going to be a problem as far as water that can create some soil washout, which can cause foundation issues down the road and help you out with that. So if you're seeing some of those signs, or if you don't have gutters, it's amazing how many people don't have gutters. That is not good for you, believe it or not, not having gutters. All that can be handled by HFX Foundation Solutions. So do the thing, man. Have them come out for a free, no obligation inspection and see if you've got something they can help you with. Dude, that's, I mean, that's what you should do. Um, we jokingly, lovingly call it a colonoscopy for your crib. That's because colonoscopy keeps, monitors your insides. And hey, what do we say about Aaron and his crew? They monitor your insides of your house. And that's important because you can't see everything going on internally with your crib. They can. And that's why you give them a call at 817-770-0174. Tell them you want that colonoscopy for your crib. Have them out there and just get the peace of mind that knows ain't nothing going on that I don't know about. I'm telling you, that's liberating and it gives you a strong sense of security. Like the biggest investment I have is all good. 817-770-0174 or find them online at hfxfoundation.com. So the other thing to throw out here, you sent me this, and I, I thought this, I didn't know that the NFL did this, and I found this absolutely fascinating, some of the things on team report cards for the NFL on kind of like the conditions for players working. And this is interesting because I don't know that we ever think about stuff like this. And this is like, like any of us who have a job that goes somewhere, we want to be able to work in, you know, like for me at my radio station, I go in, I want the bathrooms to be clean. I want right. my equipment to work. I want, if I have a technical problem or something, I want to be able to have somebody that can address that because I'm not a technical wizard on that side of like the engineering side of radio and stuff like that. You, you, you want those types of things where you have, I guess, like the support system to make you as successful as you can be when you go to work. No, not just that. I mean, that because you, you spend a lot of time at work, so you want those things cool. I mean, it's like um, I remember even, well, I'm not even going to call it little, but, you know, Dallas Morning News had a cafeteria at one point, and it was solid, but I went somewhere else like ESPN, and I was like, now this is a cafeteria. I mean, it had whatever you, whatever you could possibly want. They had it. And so you're like, well, it's just food. No, well, I mean, if, you, if you're trying to eat good, they had all of that stuff. If you're trying to pick out today, they had all of that stuff. If you mm -hmm. want dessert, they had. A, but what happened is, what did it do? It made your work experience better because I can go. I mean, we all love to eat. That's part of the problem in America. But I can go to this cafeteria and feel good about whatever it is I got because it fit whatever I was feeling for that day. And so, no, nah, it was a big deal, bro. The, the cafeteria was was on point and it was a bunch of choices and you could basically pick whatever you wanted to, you know, to eat. So I, I say that because the NFL players association released a survey on Wednesday of this week, 1300 players graded their teams in several categories related to working conditions, including team travel, treatment of families, nutrition, locker rooms, weight rooms, training rooms, strength coaches, and training staffs. And they did this to help players make informed career decisions, raise standards across the league. But think about this. I mean, this is something that comes out. Free agency starts in 11 days. 
10 days, whenever you guys are listening to this. So now players can look at this and go, man, I, I, they're offering me a ton of money. Whoa. So if I go over here, I got to deal with all this crap. I don't know. Is it, is it worth it? Maybe they're offering me a million or whatever less, but they're rated way better with all these other things that will make my life and my family's life better when I'm going to work. I don't think it'll come as any shock to anybody who the bottom team is. <laughs> but I, w- I will say I was surprised by a couple that are in the bottom five. The five worst overall teams, as far as this survey goes around the NFL, Jacksonville checked in at number 28. They say that, and this blew my mind, dude, because again, we're talking about multi, multi multi-million dollar players in a lot of instances. Jacksonville went in a free agent spending frenzy last year. They, for three to four weeks this season... The Jacksonville players dealt with a rat infestation in the infestation in the locker room and in their laundry hampers. A rat infestation. That's just unacceptable, bro. That blows my mind that the NFL, any team in the NFL, would have something like that happen in their facilities. Just, just, I mean, it's just ridiculous. They also threw this out that Jaguars players reported incidents of their wives nursing babies on the floor of a public restroom because they don't have nursing stations for mothers and their newborns. Again, another one of those things that blows your mind. Now, see, here's here's why, to me, all of that is completely, utterly unacceptable. It's because, I was reading this somewhere, NFL owners have, like, I mean, they make, I can't remember the numbers now, but it, they've had, they make so much money off the television revenue that basically what I'm saying is they could fix all these problems at their facilities if they gave a damn and they wouldn't even notice it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you took, I'm just taking a, an extravagant figure. If you took a million dollars and just said, okay, we're going to fix all the stuff at our facility, redo it, you could do that and you wouldn't feel the million dollars at all. Yeah, uh, But, you know, that's how some people are, bro. Now, the Jags are opening a new practice facility this year that'll be brand new. So we'll see how that turns out. But I was absolutely floored. I, I, I just I never would have expected this because of the success that this team has had in recent years on the field. The Kansas City Chiefs are ranked as the 29th worst in the NFL. I mean, fourth worst, I should say. Ranked 29th overall. They say that they would love to see their outdated facilities upgraded. Only 56% of players feel that the owner, Clark Hunt, is willing to invest. They ranked him the sixth worst among owners. They rated... Also, think about this. The Super Bowl champion, they've won a couple of Super Bowls in the last few years. The Chiefs have the lowest graded training staff with concerns regarding their head trainer. Players felt discouraged from reporting their injuries don't feel they receive adequate care and feared retribution for speaking up for better care. The Kansas City Chiefs. See? Incredible. They, they had one F grade and four D grades in the eight categories. Again, completely unacceptable, bro. <laughs> I just, that, that is mind-boggling to me. Now, ranked 30th in the NFL was the Los Angeles Chargers. They have a new practice facility that will be opening by 2024. And that's part of the reason why this is happening is because they're in limbo with their new practice facility and all that from when they originally moved, I guess. 
The Arizona Cardinals checked in at number 31. They have the worst ranked weight room in the NFL. And they are the, this is so nuts. Again, this is so nuts. We're talking about billionaire owners. The Cardinals are the only team in the NFL that deducts dinner from players' paychecks should they get food from the facility. It's ridiculous, bro. What? I mean, you know, you ask people to show up from 7 a.m. And the real talk now, you ask people in the NFL, most players show up around 7 a.m. They leave around 5, 4.35 o'clock, most guys, because uh, they got meetings in the afternoon, you know, whatever, four, five, 7 to 5, something like that. Um, you get an hour in the middle of the day uh, for lunch, so to speak, or to do whatever you need to do. Um, so you could run out and grab something, but obviously it's easier just to walk in the facility and get something since you're there all day. You want your players hanging out. Why would you, why would you charge them for that, bro? Now, here's something else, man. I've talked to several people. You know, one of the reasons why every big-time athletic department has an athletic dining hall is why. You want your players doing what? Eating together, bonding together, becoming a, air quote, family together over meals. What do we do in America, man? All our biggest holidays are like, hey, let's go over to so-and-so's house and eat. All the relatives and all the family will be over there. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with your football team. So you typically, if you got any sense, you want to encourage those guys to hang out together and bond, not discourage them. I'm just, I, I flabbergasted. That's your word. Thank you. We are talking about the NFL and they, I I just, I I can't wrap my mind around that. I'd be pissed too if I was an NFL player. It's just greed, bro. That's all it is. And then obviously the worst ranked team in the NFL. I mean, come on, anybody. If I gave people one guess, everybody on the planet would say the Washington Commanders. And lo and behold, they are number 32. Yeah, because we know their their owners in a seven-letter cuss word. Yes, correct. So we'll see if that changes. And so the five best, and and again, when you talk about this survey and all the different things for players' working conditions, these are the top five best places to work in the NFL from a player's perspective. Number five, I have to say I'm surprised that it's not higher. The Dallas Cowboys check in at number five. Yes, and it's interesting because they were, they were ranked either first or tied for first in five of the eight categories, but they were ranked lower in a, like so low in a couple of categories that it weighted them down in, into number five. Players feel their training room is understaffed, and they are also one of only seven teams that do not offer first-class seats for travel because players sit in coach seats before and after they play while coaches and staff sit up front in the first class seats. And that, I mean, if those are your only complaints, okay. I don't really have a problem with that per se. The training room being understaffed, I would imagine if they, if that's, and I'd be curious to see how many players said that, because I would imagine if it was enough, Jerry Jones would fix that immediately. Yeah. Although they got a very good training staff, but you know, it probably is. They don't, because not that thing about it, they don't have a lot of people. So, yeah, I can see that. And maybe that just means I got to wait to get taped or I got to wait, you know, longer than I would like to wait. Even, you know, athletes are athletes, man. So even if I got to wait five minutes, I'd really rather wait and not at all. Right. And again, keep in mind, the Cowboys either ranked first or tied for first in five of the eight categories. So that's that's still pretty damn good. Number four, the Houston Texans. And they say that they were most pleased about the team's travel philosophy, which ranked tops in the entire survey. 
And they this is interesting. Players get to stay home. They don't stay in a team hotel for home games. And the only complaint, for the most part, from the Texans were they are, and this is weird, but, you know, whatever works, they are only one of two teams in the NFL that do not have a steam room or a sauna. Well, that's weird. Isn't it? That's what I thought. I was like, how easy would that be to add to your, your practice facility or whatever? Yeah, for real. I mean, I can go down to any, like, almost other any outside gym. of Planet Fitness. Pretty much any gym has a sauna. Yeah, I was in it this morning. For this there morning. you go. Number three is the Las Vegas Raiders. And you look at this, obviously, they have brand new facilities that have only been open for three years. So, of course, that would make sense. I thought it was interesting, though. Number two... The Miami Dolphins, who got an A-plus in five categories, an A in two others, but they also have a brand-new practice facility, which just opened last offseason, which, of course, that would make sense. The number one team in the NFL, however, the Minnesota Vikings, who are called a shining example of what is possible when a concerted investment is made in both staffing and facilities. The Vikings received A's in every single category, including four A-plus grades and one A-minus. So there you really go. Getting much, doesn't get really much uh, bigger than that, huh? It doesn't. It also doesn't translate to much success on the field, apparently. <laughs> 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 That's kind of what's nuts about the, all the teams that are, are considered to have the top five facilities. Out, the Cowboys at number five, and I'm just talking regular season success. I mean, you look at the other ones, it's not like those teams are doing anything on the field where the facilities are making that big of a difference. And then you look at the Chiefs, graded as one of the worst facilities, and they're winning Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati's probably somewhere down there in the bottom. Um, but, uh, no, that's just, I mean, obviously, facilities are like anything else, man. They can they can draw free agents, and they can make the coming to work experience good. But ultimately, I mean, you still got to play football and get it done on the field. So it's just part of having a winning organization. It's a lot of parts to having a winning organization, and good facilities is one of them. Yeah, it, it is indeed. But I thought that was a, a really interesting survey because I think in our minds, and obviously being Dallas Cowboys fans, I mean, I think we're aware not everything is AT&T Stadium, not everything is the star I think we're aware of that, but I think that there's still this idea that most teams are somewhere in that neighborhood because these are billionaire owners, multi-million dollar players, and we just have in our minds. I mean, again, a rat infestation? I, I Dude, never would I terrible. think. I would never think for any professional sports franchise in the year 2022-2023. Terrible, man. Like I in mean, any yeah. league, like, like even in Sacramento where the Kings play, I wouldn't think that they would have the crappiest facilities where you would have a rat infestation. <laughs> no. And, you know, I, I, I would probably say it's probably a little bigger than a, like there's probably some reason why there's a rat infestation. Maybe it's location, maybe some other. Like I, I don't immediately associate filth with it, but by the same token, we got to fix the problem, man, because, you know, rats are nasty. Yeah. That goes without saying. Rats are extraordinarily nasty, man. Rats are probably the worst of the worst, if we're being honest with ourselves. I, I, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I, would, I would lose my mind if I went to the radio station this afternoon and there was a rat scurrying inside the studio. <laughs> and, you know, for those of you who don't know, there's a difference between rats and mice. Yeah, exactly, yeah. man. Mice are small. Um, you know, like mice, you can, okay, I saw a mouse, I can handle that. Rats are much bigger, bro. <laughs> I'm not, 
Yeah, rats are much bigger. Have you ever seen a rat in person? I don't. Yeah, I have. I have seen a rat in person, yes. Bro, I came home. I want to say it was probably the eighth grade. And we, we, the way, and this is what I mean by sometimes location. My house in Oak Cliff was a great house growing up on Windchime. And the backyard backed up against the highway. Matter of fact, if you go down 67 and you get off, you can see my old house from the highway. Um, but we had like 13 trees in the backyard. And there's, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that come from the backyard out. Yeah. And they climb trees and all this other stuff. And so we used to have a lot of like squirrels be inside the walls of your house. And yeah. you hear scratching on the walls. And as a kid, the first time, okay, but then you just get used to it. So that's the backdrop. Bro, I came home one. And so my mom had put out some decon, that rat poison or something, you know, to get whatever vermin might be poking around. Yeah. Bro, I came home one day. And uh, the way our house was set up, I walked in through the family room, you know, me. I'm, first thing I do when I get home, throw my jacket down, let's head to the kitchen. And the biggest fucking rat you've ever seen is sitting on the counter. Because he's eating his stuff and now he's sick and he can't move. And that thing must have been like two feet long, bro. And I was just like, what is this? And... uh it has still traumatized me now because I'm telling you, that was like the eighth grade. And I can still remember turning the corner, coming eye to eye with that thing, turning back around, calling my mother and saying, there's a rat here and I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> there's a rat here and I'm leaving. Yes, I have left the building. Yeah, man, that would be I mean, I think most people freak out when they see a mouse and, and, and yeah. my, mice can be really small. Like I I've. I've lived in places where I've had mice before and it didn't like whatever you would prefer them to get rid of them. But I didn't freak out. Like when you see a little mouse, you're like, oh, what the hell is that? And like, oh, it'll go away. I don't know why. Like, but rats are totally different. You're right. Like you see a rat. You're like, OK, what are we doing here? Yeah, we got a problem. We need to fix this now. Yeah. Like mice. I don't know. I, I, it's I don't know. I, obviously, you don't want anything in your house. You don't want mice or, or rats or anything in your home. But if if. If you had to choose which one you were going to have see scurry across the floor, I would 100 times out of 100 times take a mouse. Hell yeah. I mean, rats are on a different planet, man. And, and the fact that an NFL team had that shit in their locker room and their laundry hampers and stuff. I mean, can you imagine that? You're, you're in the locker room and you're throwing your towel away and you just look down in the laundry hamper. There's a rat looking back up at you chewing on some dude's jack strap. Nah, bro. Nah, Golly, nah. man. Enough oh, of that life. Enough, yeah. So... The other thing that I wanted to throw out and, and, and take a quick little trip here around the block. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw this movie. And this is a movie I'm trying to think. I think it came out at some point last year. So we are at a point right now where we watch a lot of television shows. And most of the shows that we are watching right now only come out once a week. Like, for instance, we are watching 1923, Your Honor... God, what are the other two we watch? There's a couple other ones that we watch. Oh, Mayor of Kingstown and something else. Oh, The Last of Us. So we're watching all four of those shows right now, but they only come out once a week, so we watch one episode a week. Well, generally right, right. speaking, on Sundays, we're just chilling at the house, and we'll, we'll just watch them all on a Sunday. And then we're like, for the rest of the week, like, okay, well, what do you want to watch? Do we want to get into a new show? Are there some movies we want to catch up on? We've been watching all the Oscar movies, but we've, we've gotten all those that are available to watch. 
So I'm scrolling through the other day trying to see were there any movies that came out in, over the summer or whatever last year that we missed. And I see this movie with The Rock, Black Adam. And I kind of, like, I remember it coming out, but I don't remember hearing much about it. It got horrible reviews. It's 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> but I was like, man, you look at the previews, like, it's a superhero movie. The Rock kind of looks badass as he does in pretty much every movie. I was like, how, can, how bad can it be? So we decided to watch it because I'm trying to remember what service it was on. Oh, it's on HBO Max, where if you are a HBO Max member, you don't have to pay for it. You can watch it on there. I got to tell you, man, I, I don't know what the problem is. I, we, we both really enjoyed it. I thought it was it's really weird because it's from the DC universe and not the Marvel universe. Right. So it feels like a lot of the characters are are. I, don't, I mean, they've existed in the DC universe for years and years and years, same as the Marvel guys, but I'm way more familiar with most of the the periphery Marvel characters, I guess, because of the movies. Right. Whereas with DC, I'm familiar with Superman and Batman and like the main guys, like the Justice League guys. True that, true that. So I'm not familiar at all with Black Adam or the people that were in this movie. And I'm like, okay, this dude is Hawkeye and this dude is Ant-Man. And it's like, and this person <laughs> is Storm. Like... I swear they just ripped off Marvel characters and created this, but it's really yeah. good. I, I I don't know I don't know what the problem was for it. I don't understand why. For what? I, and again, this is I feel this way with a lot of movies that get bad reviews that are action movies or like I want to see. Does The Rock say really witty lines, raise his eyebrow, and blow up stuff and kill people and throw them around? <laughs> and is there a lot of superheroes fighting in the air and doing superhero things? And there's a lot of that in this movie. I was like, what, what else do you, like when you go see a superhero movie, I don't know, what do you need? You need some, oh my God, this is, uh, this should be nominated for best original screenplay. Well, see, I told you, man, I'm, I'm not that guy. I just want to be entertained. Yes. I want two hours of entertainment. And if I good, if, if I am, I'm good, man. You know, I'm not all, I'm not all about the cinematography. It's got to be great and this and that. Just, you know, if it's whatever, man. I just want to be entertained for this period of time. That's exactly how I am. I mean, it, it's, I don't know. And it, it's just wild to me. Like some of these movies that you see and I'm like, okay, well, what's the problem? I will say the other one that we watched, and I think, I guess we watched this a couple of nights ago. And I hadn't seen this one yet either. It came out last summer and this is 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. But the latest installment of Jurassic Park, it's called Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah. It is horrible. Okay. That's, I, was, I couldn't imagine it being good. So. I don't know why they made this movie. It's, <laughs> it's extraordinarily predictable. It was extraordinarily corny. It almost felt like they made a movie because they felt like they needed to wrap up the new trilogy and they didn't really have a, a quality idea. Like, it started right. out really cool because it, it's dinosaur. Like, how do humans, now that dinosaurs have gotten out and are all around us, and, like, like imagine us just right now and dinosaurs are just walking around. Like, it ain't no big deal. Right. It, it, they, didn't, they, they barely spent any time on that and essentially just recreated the original Jurassic Park storyline and put that in this movie. And I was like, and it was funny because at one point, it was so freaking predictable. At one point... Like, they're all pinned down, and oh, here comes T-Rex, and, and the lady goes, oh, the, the damn T-Rex. And, and I look at her, I go, well, you know some other dinosaur is going to come out of nowhere and hit it and, and save them. And literally a split second later, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and she just started dying laughing. 
She was like, you just said that. I was like, I mean, have you seen original Jurassic Park? This, I mean, my God. Dude, that's what it is, man. But uh, maybe it was for the little kids. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't. I will say there were some cool dinosaurs in it. But you know me, because we're trying to figure out, oh, what kind of dinosaur is that? And I'll, I'll jump on and I'll look it up real quick. And I'm like, oh, that's actually a real dinosaur. But apparently in Jurassic World Dominion, the, the way they believed the dinosaur was is nothing like how it's portrayed in the movie. <laughs> Wild. But I don't know, man. I mean, there's, you know, I, I think that they have reached the end of our need to see dinosaurs on film. We've seen it enough. So I think that that kind of, like, remember when original Jurassic Park came out? I, I remember that seeing that. movie. Dude, I was blown away. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson in there, Wayne, yeah. uh, whatever his name is. Yeah. No, that was a good movie. That was a good flick. It was. I had number love for that. I didn't even mind the one after that. No, like the, the Jurassic Park Lost World, I was good. But, you know, once you get to the sixth installment any, of it. Any like, series, man, that goes past about three, it's just because it's a, it's a moneymaker. Yep. And so you're like, we can't leave this money on the table. Like, did you get into Creed? I did get into Creed, and I'm actually, I'm excited to see the third one. But see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I did not get into Creed, and I'm like, eh, they're on three. This is about it. Like, even if you look at the Rockies. Yeah. Rockies was cool for about three of them. Then it was like, really, bro? Come on. Yeah, and, it, and I'm, I'm interested to see the new one. The storyline looks cool. I thought the storyline of Rocky Two was cool where he fights Drago's kid. You know, they rekindle that whole thing. I don't know. I, like, to me, I, I just, I'm a big Michael B. Jordan fan. All right. Like, I, I really like, I mean, he is so jacked in this movie, and I like how he portrays, you know, being the son of Creed. It just works for me. And a lot of the stuff that he has been in, I mean, hell, I mean, I guess if we want to be crazy, we can go all the way back to The Wire. <laughs> Remember, he was, uh, yeah. He, God, was, who, uh, he was Wallace. He was Wallace. Yeah, yeah that's Wallace. who he was. Yeah, you can go back to that. He was in Friday Night Lights. You know, but some of the movies that he's been putting out, really since his, he kind of became like a big-time star, man, he, he's had some really good things. I've really enjoyed the Creed movies. I'll be curious oh. to see if you're right and they stop with the trilogy or if he feels like, much like Rocky Four that he's got to do a Creed Four. Well, if, if they make a bunch of money, he'll yeah. do a Creed Four because the check he'll get will be big. And it's interesting because you, you talk about once you get past three, John Wick 4 comes out later this month. And I got to tell you, see, John Wick is a great example of this for me. Fast and Furious, the 10th version of that comes out this year. That's another one. I almost feel like you don't need to speak in these movies. <laughs> Just shoot people and kill them in kick-ass ways and have unbelievable fight scenes and stunts, and I'm good. Pretty much. I mean, that's what the movies are about. Let's not, yeah. let's not lose the essence of what we are. Like somebody is like, man, you, you really want to go see this new Fast and Furious? It's like, I'm not going to go see it, but I will watch it when it comes out to watch it home. They're like, why? These movies are horrible. I'm like, I don't know. When's the last time you saw a movie where cars are being dropped out of space? Bro. Yeah, but the plot. I'm like, the plot what? Like Vin Diesel could come on screen and go, uh, 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 uh. And then if he's driving a car off of a helicopter blade or something and doing some cool stunt I've never seen, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, hell yeah. But John Wick to me, man, John Wick is one of those movies. I, you know what? Maybe I'll go back and watch the trilogy. I mean, what a, who am I kidding? I'm not going to go to the theater to watch John Wick 4. I needed to come out on HBO Max. I liked when they were doing that where they were releasing some of the movies on HBO Max, you know, like a week after they came out in the theaters. 
Mm. Those were cool. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But John Wick is one of those movies that I, I mean, and you could make 10 John Wicks and I'd probably go, watch them all. <laughs> I, just, I mean, that's what I'm saying, though. I, I, I like that kind of movie. Like, I thought, honestly, going back to Rocky, Rocky Four is my favorite of the Rockies. Like, Rocky Three to me was kind of lame because of Hulk Hogan and Mr. T being in it. I did, that, that was like, eh. But Rocky Four, I mean, where he goes and it's the height of the Cold War and he's fighting the, you know, Drago, the Russian machine that nobody can, that, that killed his best friend. I mean, it's fantastic. <laughs> now, Rocky Five was trash. I mean, I'll give you that. Uh, I, haven't, I, I can't remember. I think I stopped at the threes with Rocky. You never saw Rocky Four, where he fought Drago in Russia on Christmas Day? Oh, that was Rocky Four. Yeah. Okay. Who was? What was Rocky Five? Rocky Five was the one where he decided to train that dude, Tommy Morrison. Okay, now I stopped there. Yeah, and it was super cheesy. And I, I just I remember how bad that movie was. And at the end, that one guy comes up to me. He's like, "Hit me and I'll sue. Come on, hit me and I'll sue." And he hits him. I mean, and he sued. I don't know if he sued or not. That's towards the end of the movie, but. Is Tommy Morrison still living? I think he passed of HIV AIDS. Yeah, I remember. And I'm not kidding. It. Like, I'm being serious. Yes, yeah. He, oh, yeah. wow. He died 10 years ago. Yeah, he died in 2013. I remember that because I remember he got HIV, and I, I believe that's why he died. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he, he had, he had AIDS, end. and yes, he had been bedridden for over a year. That's what I thought. Yeah. God, nice. only 44 years old, man. Yep. But he was a professional, like a legit prof- I mean, he fought Lennox Lewis, man. Yeah. No, like he was a real he's professional a boxer. That's why he looked so bad at the end, because you know what he used to look like when he was cut. Yeah, when they used him, when he was in Rocky Five. I mean, the idea of it, I think, was kind of cool, but it, that movie just did not work at all. Nah, not at all. They went way too long on that. But like you said, I mean, if it's making money and... That's what's so hard, I think, with some of these films is, okay, yeah, it, it may cost a ton to make, but we're making it all back and we're all getting rich and people, apparently, we can just basically change the stunts and change the fight scenes and keep the same storyline. People will keep coming. Bro, that's what it's all about. Until they don't. Until they don't. <laughs> all right, well, that is it for us. We'll have to catch up with Chill another time. We were supposed to have him on the podcast here this today but well, we had know, to record he's probably at st elmo's and drinking late yeah i mean we, we had to record a little oh. earlier than we normally do and i got it here run, he- so. <laughs> oh here he is yeah I, at uh i'm sorry last late night at combo phone was on silent <laughs> ah, that's all right yeah just, just let him know. we'll catch up with him next time because i i gotta go and, and yeah i am out of time unfortunately this morning yeah no worries All right, my friend. But that's it for us, and (laughs) we'll be back soon. I hope everybody has a great weekend. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. 
Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.